0: Good morning. 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 Blessing to see you all here, visitors. We're blessed again to be gathered here again this morning. Reminds us of the Lord's faithfulness, always uh, being the same, always providing and uh, we just hope and pray that the Lord is going to be here with us today and uh, I always hope and pray that we all have our hearts prepared when we come together it's the first step in order to to be blessed when God's people come together to prepare in uh, Is it in prayer or seeking the Lord, seeking His face? It always starts starts us off on the right foot. If we have that relationship and especially if we know we're coming together and we seek the Lord. So, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Guess what I'll be talking about. Yeah, thankfulness. Now, I know, I know Thanksgiving, that particular over holiday is stained a little bit. It has history. But uh, that does not excuse us for to be ungrateful, to not... Uh, have a thankful heart because if if you really meditate on it, I believe we cannot even serve Christ with an ungrateful heart. A grateful and thankful heart has been touched, has been moved. So I was thinking it's a good time to remind ourselves of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. The God whom we serve. So let's bow our heads before we continue. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are Heavenly Father, that you provide to our every need. And Lord, even when there's times that are not so desirable, that are maybe even tough or maybe challenging to us, Lord, as some of us have gone through, Lord, we know that you're there. We know that you're faithful. We know that we can come to you. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your everlasting love that you shower out on your children those that love you those that remain faithful to you and so Lord we we want to pray for this morning here that you touch our hearts in this way that you show us the importance of being grateful to enter your gates with thanksgiving on our hearts to live lives Lord that are grateful towards you for what you've done Lord, we, we pray that you meet us here this morning on these things. We pray, Lord, for your presence may fill this room, that you may touch us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you again. We pray that you may be honored, that you may be glorified. Again, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, thankfulness is, um, is one of these emotions that can come naturally. And most of the time, I don't know I should say it's sad, is when we experience thankfulness. When it's a, a natural occurrence. However, the Bible commands us to be thankful. And that gives us reason to look at that subject to be thankful. Even when times are undesirable, in all things, give thanks. So I, I want to take this subject a little bit beyond uh, saying thank you for this Thanksgiving dinner in the turkey, in the prime rib, or whatever we, this culture is doing in November, last Thursday of November. But to look, look a little bit deeper on the essence of thankfulness in our lives in our Christian walk. And hopefully by the end we can see, as I said before, that without thankfulness, without praise, without that in our lives, for to me it seems that the grace of God is absent. Or, okay, I get it, there's times we're down, there's times we're sad, and there's times we're hit with calamities, there's, there's a time for weeping. But if that's our track record, without with thankfulness gone, then I believe the presence of Christ is also absent. So, most, like I said, most of the time, thankfulness comes naturally. Um, Or when it does, it usually stems out of a need. For example, if we lack food, if there would be a shortage of food, we would be extremely thankful every time we stand in this line out there, or every time... We get food. We would be extremely thankful. Whereas if we had food all the time, we sometimes even forget to give thanks. Nonetheless, he commands us to be thankful. If we didn't have warm houses that are furnished even to our liking, if we didn't have them, we'd be thankful for every warm shelter that we would find. We'd be thankful for a small fire. Is just again a need. Received provides thankfulness. If we had been imprisoned yesterday, today we'd be extremely grateful to be free to experience liberty. We experience liberty right now. Are we thankful? When we're tapped on the shoulder, we say yes. But do we walk as such? So in other words, needs like poverty gives us ample opportunities to be thankful without even trying. It's a, it's a natural reaction. And it reminds me when Jesus said to that one woman in Luke seven forty seven, when he forgave her, he said, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. To me, it's the same principle with with thankfulness, love or thankfulness. There is this natural tendency in us for this sensational reaction when a need is filled. And I I believe it's God-given. It's a need fulfilled, then it's thankfulness. And this is why we have this strange conundrum of covetousness. There's needs, or many times wants, and uh, we seek to fill it. And you think it would uh, create satisfaction and thankfulness by simply feeling a desire for something. But all it does is create a vicious cycle of trying to satisfy, satisfy this mysterious void in us in which, like any other false god, pops right back up, and asks for more. So, what does, what does that tell us? Thankfulness might, again, when it comes natural, it might be short-lived. Or even we can get used to that, to that cycle and forget about thankfulness. Jesus, on the other hand, doesn't create an endless cycle of empty voids in our life. He promised in John 4, 14 to that woman at the well, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Uh, Just a, a quencher of this endless cycle of wanting more. So, most of us sitting here heard that question before, because we have such an abundance of um, what do I give a person who has everything he needs or wants? (coughs) What happens to a person that has everything that they wish for? I think we all heard that, haven't we? What do we give? What do I give my husband? He has, he has everything he wants. So, so many times we form a condition of over familiarity, taking yeah. things for granted, the blessings that we have, or simply beyond unthank- thankful and entitled. When we are in that condition, which I think most of us are. I believe it can be broken down to two categories. One came about because of our environment, and the other is through principle. Our environment, and I'm thinking largely of our environment here, even in the community, can provide all our basic needs and beyond. And this is when Scripture commends us to be thankful. It's out of the Lord's goodness that we are provided with many blessings, and we accept them with grateful hearts, not with an entitlement, with the attitude that we have it coming. A simple meal, what we call a simple meal, which would be a king's meal in most of the world, needs to produce a thankfulness, a grateful heart in us and a reminder of God's faithfulness, that we are not going hungry. The blessings of a a warm house, waking up every morning to a warmth, out of a warm bed, should remind us of the Lord's goodness and the Lord's faithfulness. If we operate in the flesh, we believe we have it coming, we're entitled. And how do we know that? If one of these little things does not come as we expect it to come, we melt, we have a breakdown. This is one of the evidences that we have an entitled mentality. If the blessings of the Lord do not necessarily reach us on a day-by-day basis, or simple blessings, maybe like running water, Electricity, warm house, meals. We have meltdowns. Whereas void of that daily blessing should be a reminder how good we have it, the Lord's blessings on our life. James one seventeen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning." This is how we approach life. Every gift, every blessing, everything that even we enjoy is a gift from the Father of lights. On the other hand, the second category, so one is out of our environment. Maybe the country we're living in. Maybe the church we're participating. In. Maybe it's just the society we're in. Um, there's many societies that don't have these blessings that we have. But here we are. We have these blessings. But on the other hand, there is this condition on a more of a personal level where we can be so personally wrapped up and self-absorbed in self and seeking to fulfill every desire and lust as long as society around us does not condemn or disappro- disapprove of us and sometimes even deadline line diminishes, we are left standing as fools. When it comes to our personal conviction, our personal line, what I've learned, we have to create principle here. Otherwise, our flesh is going to control us. We have to say that's enough. We have to say I cannot let my flesh indulge more in, in riches, in in good times, in in food, in materialistic things. This is enough. Look at Jesus. He had a line. So in. Each and every one of us, as Christ is working his work in us through the Holy Spirit, he creates principle. Principle creates a line. Society should not always create a line, even though a lot of people, most people operate by society. What's accepted in society? Strength comes from principle. If popular culture creates that line, it's way out in left field. The American dream. Everything about life is then about me. So again, if we take the principles of God, how much can God use a man like that? If I am daily absorbed about my daily needs, wants, desires, lusts, how much can God use me? About zero. Because he said, if you you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. So we know... Principle, godly principle, in my heart, should create a line. Take for example the parable that Jesus spoke of in Luke 12. After a man's ground yielded plentiful, he was wondering what to do. Okay, I have plenty of crops, what to do? What would principle say here? Indulge or... Wait on the Lord or give? Well, let's see. Luke chapter 12 verse 18. So after a ground had yielded plentiful, like I said, he was wondering what to do. So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, and here's the verse, verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, that night your soul will be required of you. Then those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, Jesus made it clear here that even this attitude is foolishness. And do you remember why Jesus told that parable? Do you remember that parable? Why did Jesus tell that parable? It's because someone in the crowd wanted or to be part of an inheritance. He said, speak to my brother, I want to be part of the inheritance. In other words, and we look at it, real life scenario, life isn't not fair, and I want my share too. So Jesus told that parable if you want to be rich and have it easy, and that's your only focus, you're a fool. You're a fool if you're not rich towards God. And this is where I want to go to at our text this morning. I have not been at, our, I've been at our text. In order to walk in peace with God, we need to have a proper perspective of who God is and who we are. And I know we can sit here and say, "Yes, I know who God is." Maybe, maybe not. I know He's the God of the universe. He's the Creator God. But there is this reminder, that's really helpful to get this perspective. If, if we continuously get the respect of, of who God is, the, the enormity of His being, it creates in us even a more of a, a warmth, a thankfulness of what He's done for us. So I want you to read with me in uh, Psalm 104. I'm going to read the whole chapter here. And it gives such a a colorful picture of who God is and how he orchestrates everything that is and has been. It helps to shed light in our relationship with him. Psalm 104, I have new king. Bless the Lord, O my soul! O Lord my God, you are very great! You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angel spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. You who lay the foundations of the earth, so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with a deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your re- rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. <laughs> they went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heaven have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man. That he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man. Oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their nest. the storks has the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats, the cliffs are refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knows it's going down. You make darkness, and it is night, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun shines, sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manyfold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great, where the ships sail about, there is the levitan, which you have made to play there. These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due seasons. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath and they die and return to dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He works on the earth and it trembles. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and the smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. What emotions does that give you? It's like, wow. From poetry to perspective to science to just magnifies the sovereign God and how he controls everything. It, it just gives us this, this this sense of the God we serve, the Creator, God whom we serve, and that He has given us the grace and has, has had mercy on us to be partake of that of that very life with him. So keeping that in mind and being reminded, that the sovereign, all-powerful Creator God has chosen to die for us, His creation, so that we might live. This puts us in an overwhelming position of awe and thanksgiving. Yes, we're humans. Yes, we tend to forget. But let me tell you, when the Spirit of God is working in our lives, And it brings us to remembrance of this honest. It should humble ourselves. We should be humbled and we should have this sensation of thanksgiving and praise towards God. With that in mind is why Psalm 100, if you can go there, is a witness to every believer. Psalm 100. Verse 1, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. How many years ago was this written? We're still enduring. We still see that truth in our lives. And as I said, Psalm 100 is a good reflection, is a good perspective that a believer needs to have. And But not only is it a perspective, it's a commandment. So now, where does thankfulness come into our walk with God, and does it sustain us as a believer? And I believe it does. First Thessalonians five eighteen: In everything, give thanks. In everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, just taking this verse. And we have a heart to please the Lord. This verse renounces self-pity, poor me, fairness. I want an inheritance too. And seeks the will of God. It seeks the will of God. Lord, what is the reason? Lord, there's something going on. Help me understand. And in everything we give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 3:15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you all to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. The peace of God rules in your hearts, and we're called in one body, be thankful. 3:17, Colossians down to verse 17: whatever you do in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him." And here again we see the connection of a believer. And the more you study these verses, there's more. If you study these verses, you will see it's connected with a believer. This is why I said at the beginning. If a a person lacks thankfulness, I believe a person is in danger of walking outside of the grace of God. Now, we might have our moments, but if we're not careful, unthankfulness, not realize what God has done for us and what He's doing, will take us outside of grace. And if it is not already had, and that is tragic. It's a commandment. And this is why I put a little bit of emphasis at the beginning, that it's also natural. But if it's all natural, why does it commend it? It's like love. The world knows love in the natural being. You love me, I love you. He loves me, I love him back. We love our children, we love our wife, we love our spouse. But even then, the Word of God commands the husband, Husbands, love your wives. Why does he do that? Because there's, there's more than emotions, there's principle and obedience behind These, what should I call them, sensations or feelings that we choose. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can partake of them. And again, if we see and we have a proper perspective of what Christ has done for us, one of the most overwhelming emotions will be thankfulness. If we walk in the Spirit, if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, one of the overwhelming emotions will be thankfulness. And, but of, yes, of course, there's a condition, condition to that, and that is remain faithful and to be sensitive. A picture, maybe we can, if we want a treaty view on that, is found in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. Right after the miraculous Exodus from Egypt. They they saw the hand of God in their lives. They saw the devastation that Egypt went through, through the plagues and everything by the hand of God. They saw the miracle at the Red Sea of God parting the waters. And it's a good example. And it's probably the biggest example of our salvation story. Yet, In a short order, it seemed to me that we're disoriented, what's going on. In In Exodus 14 verses 30 and 31, So the Lord saved Israel that day, out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. They saw the working of God right there. There were dead soldiers on the seashore. They walked through dry land. (coughs) Very similar to our lives. And it's something that we cannot neglect is to meditate on where we've come from. And a warning is that we cannot do that. Maybe we're still in Egypt. But we should see an Egypt in our life. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord in the servant Moses. Then we go into chapter 15, from 14 into 15. And it's all about praising the Lord and singing his praises for what he has done. And you get the sense of praise and thanksgiving for what the Lord has done for them. Ever since I was a young boy, I was impressed with chapter uh, 15. How they praise the Lord, how they magnify the Lord, the victory that was there after the Red Sea. Well, however, before the chapter is over, three days into the journey, they started complaining against Moses about water. Why did they complain? Was there lack of trust? Maybe. Six weeks later. In chapter 16, they complained again about the food. To the point, they talked about dying. You brought us out here to die. Exodus 16, 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Reading the verse, you get the feeling it was more about the good food. It was more about the good food rather than the food that they needed to survive the wilderness journey. Now we can say, well, it was a desert, hot, cold at night, conditions are away from their warm houses. Yes, thirsty, obviously they were thirsty, hungry, And you can understand people getting frustrated. It's like I said at the very beginning, when we, when our comfort is challenged and we have a meltdown, then we're entitled. Most everywhere in the world, order is held by power. When power is taken away, people loot and kill. True self is revealed. But if but in this situation here, if we look at the whole picture of what God did for them in Egypt, saving them from the Egyptian army, they were aware of all that because they praised the Lord right after it happened, as I just said in chapter 15. The Lord showed his presence as stated in Exodus 13, 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Yet they complained and were fearful that they will die in the desert. They they rather saw themselves back in Egypt, slaving away under slavery, under bondage, Then, with thankful hearts, sing the deliverance and learning to trust the Lord, their God, in their journey through the wilderness. Can we can we see a parallel to that? Now we're not exactly going through a sandy desert, but we go through tough times. We do. We, we have feelings. We're human. We, especially, we seek. Um, purity in our lives, we seek Christ, we seek to walk in fellowship with Christ, the enemy will not leave us alone. But do we resort back to to Egypt? Do you think that if they would have trust and a thankfulness for what the Lord has done for them, delivered them out of bondage, having a proper perspective, who He is, that He loves them, that He cares for them, that He wants to give them a promised land that they would have sustained. I believe they would have. In the Spirit, Paul said, talked about that, suffering, and for me it lit up a crown of righteousness. Paul went through even more, but he had a proper perspective. And so, this is a great example, we can see what happens if thankfulness is absent absent from our everyday lives. We actually lose perspective of what has been given to us. We lose sight of God and we lose sight of God and all we see is ourselves. I want more of this, I need more of this, I, I, I. This is why an unthankful person is absorbed with himself. And it's something that we should always fight against. And it just simply starts Maybe I'm going down this trail way too strong, but it starts with being thankful. If we're thankful for the little things, we don't have to have the big things. (laughs) That brings contentment. Contentment with godliness is great gain. That brings, that destroys self absorbed. And again, this is why we're committed to give thanks in all things. As a believer, our journey is a type of that of the children of Israel. We're born with a sinful nature, and we all need to be saved and redeemed. All of us need to be saved and redeemed. Once Christ has done his redeeming work in us, we tend to forget where we would be without the grace of God in our lives. Mm -hmm. And without Christ would be lost and without hope. Yes, we all experience our wilderness yet, but through these times, it's very important to remain grateful for what the Lord has done in our lives. We learn to trust him in the difficult times. A wilderness journey is to learn trust. Always remember that. A wilderness journey is to learn trust. Hard times, we learn to trust the Lord. To trust and rely on God as a father who loves and takes care of his children. A good start is praise and thankfulness for what he's done in our life. A good example is in Luke 17. Verse 11 to 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. (laughs) Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself for the priests. And so it was that as they went, they believed they Were cleansed. So he commended them, which they believed, and they were cleansed. And one of them, as he was going, he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, glorified God. And fell down at his face, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Where were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So we can see here as Jesus was touched by this man's thankfulness, appreciation of what he has done, the cleansing. And interestingly, Jesus called him out and recognized him that was a foreigner who did it, a Samaritan. This is a picture of our life. We were bought at a price. We are precious in His sight. He has chosen us. What, I, what, what should our reaction be? Keep running. I'm free. I'm cleansed. You know, we return. We return to Jesus. We fall on our face. We give Him thanks. We glorify Him with our lives. And it's better to see these things as soon as possible. Again, if thankfulness and praise where it is due is not present, we're walking a, on a thin line. He said in Paul, 7, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's." It belongs to God. We were bought. We were bought with a price. The reason we have these commandments in the New Testament is to divert our attention from ourselves towards God. And yet it gives us a better realization of our need and our reliance on Christ. That without Him we would be utterly lost and hopeless. And again, an unthankful person is proud and absorbed with his life and his wants and his desires. 2 Timothy 3:15, verses 3. <clears throat> But know this, Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. But know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures pleasure rather than lovers of god having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away <coughs> mixed into this apostate state of mind <coughs> and condition with, <coughs> with all kinds of degradations is unthankfulness so it it lines up with with the evilness of men thankfulness is in harmony with godliness, because we see and we experience what God has done in our life. Moreover, we have Romans 1. Paul explains how our downfall to evil starts. Remember, Romans 1 is man's condition without Christ. So I'm just going to read 20 and 21. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and God had, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Did they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, destructive mind, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do we see the importance of giving praise and glory where it's due? And to be obedient to a thankful heart. <clears throat> it is it, it 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 is the beginning of a of a person's demise, of his downfall, if we don't give to God, what is due to God. To glorify Him as God, to be thankful, there's something happening with our mind. In closing, Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Very interesting here, with thanksgiving, like, I don't have it coming. With thanksgiving, we make our requests known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And as I said, thankfulness always correlates with faithfulness in serving God with our lives and have a proper perspective on our relationship with him. Unthankfulness correlates with unrighteousness. When God does his work in us, when we submit to God, there's miracles happening in our life that will prompt thankfulness. Then when we encourage that thankfulness, and we live in that, we, we live by that. We glorify God with it. <clears throat> so, Amen. May that be an encouragement. To remember what the Lord has done to walk thankful and glorify God with our lives <clears throat>